to take care of a little business today. I'm wearing beautiful pink, not because it's my favorite color, but it's Laudete Sunday. This Sunday is exactly in the middle of Lent, from the first Sunday uh, to Easter. It's the middle Sunday. And both in Advent and Lent, Advent is Gaudete, and Lent is Laudete, and they're both words of rejoicing and saying, come on, church, wake up, get excited, we're almost there, halfway there now. So get ready, we're about to celebrate the great mysteries of Advent Incarnation and Lent Easter, redemption. So that's one thing. And I need to go back to this mention of the uh, catechumens elect that were sitting there, because at the last Mass, uh, I hadn't been prepared to say what I'm about to say to you, but I said it to them too, because I just realized that I was given a gift, um, and I hadn't thought of it before, but at that mass was Remy sitting over there who wears her mask every Sunday. She's been blind for seven years. She doesn't really see anything very clearly, but she sees um, darkness and light and figures, or, but she can't identify them. And then over here is Andrew who has been blind for four years. And he clarified for me four years ago when he went blind, he only had 2% vision and 98% blindness. Um, before I left for my vacation, he told me that he was going to have surgery on the 15th, and then he asked me about two weeks ago to pray for him, so I did and blessed him, and then he had his surgery, and it came out really well. So, I tell you this, but I also tell you that I got their permission before I spoke about them, because there is a thing called the Hippocratic uh, uh, Oath that doctors and nurses take, and we have to sign a paper uh, that we give them permission to speak about or to share our information because it's against the law for them to do it without our signing that. Any doctors or nurses here? Am I correct? Yes, Hippocratic Oath. So they both gave me permission. Having said that, I wanted to use them, and use them I did because I wanted them, who are about to be baptized, confirmed, and receive their first Eucharist, to understand this gospel more clearly. And the church uses this on the second Sunday of the three middle Sundays, third, fourth, and fifth, where we have the third, first scrutiny, second uh, scrutiny on the fourth, and the fifth Sunday, we have the third scrutiny. And the scrutiny is exactly what the word means, scrutinize. Look and check for every error. Like if I were to scrutinize this strip of wood here and say, where are the errors and the, and the mistakes? Oh, here there's a little hole, and here there's a stain, and etc. So they use the scriptures to scrutinize their hearts and their lives and to say, before I dare jump into those waters of baptism and get anointed by the confirmation and the gift of the Spirit and receive Christ, the bread of life, for the first time, eat the Lord's presence, I want to scrutinize my heart and my life and see if there's still anything that needs to change, needs to be different. Now, in the liturgy, they're the only ones who do this, but we get to do it with them, along with them. And it's focused on them, but really we're sharing it with them so we can scrutinize our lives too. And the liturgy gets more intense as we begin to do this. And we are given some incredible stories today. Before we get to the gospel, it's important to notice the first two readings because they set us up. They're like the context in which the gospel is set. The first reading... Uh, God speaks to Samuel, prophet, and says, uh, go and find the one who will be king, that I'm choosing for king. So he goes to the house of this man where he has seven sons, and 
He says, God has sent me to your house to choose the king of Israel. And so he says, present to me your sons. So six in a row, he presents them to Samuel the prophet. He says, no, no, not the one, not him. Mm-mm, I don't think so. So he says to the man, is that all? Do you have any other sons? He says, well, I have a little runt. He's out in the field working with the sheep, but you don't want him. He's just a little, little runt, a little twerp. He says, bring him to me. So he brings in the little twerp, and he looks at him and says, ah, that's the one. Now, this is so unlikely, and this is the point of this beautiful story. David, the one who will be king of Israel, the greatest king ever, according to the scriptures, is the one God chooses. He's a little twerp. He's out in the field working. Even his own daddy, even his own daddy doesn't believe he's the right one. But God chooses him. And this story is so important for you and me because it's the truth about us, too. Um, there's a lot of mistaking in our church, and probably all religions, thinking that if you are really a good person and doing everything you think God wants from you, then God loves you more. Not so. Loves us all. Loves us all all the time. He loves us when we're mired in sin. Because, and stop and think about yourselves. Do you hate your children when they do a bad thing and make a mistake? Maybe some of you do. I hope not. But I think um, I know families where uh, the good son wasn't the one that the parents seemed to love the most. They, they loved the black sheep, the ones who were always messing up. And if you ask them why, they'd say, they need more love. They need it. Their lives are a mess. So we cannot think that God stops loving us because we're sin or because we're imperfect. In fact, I would say what he wants to do, our God, is get into the mess of our sin and transform it, change it, help us scrutinize it. And even to, if I could say, love our sin or love ourselves who are sinners and then let that love do something to us. And very often, it's our sin. It's the, the lack. It's the twerpiness and the runtness of our lives that God uses to make us the great people that we can become. Very often, it's the mistakes, the errors, the things that we regret that turn into the biggest blessings of our life. And that is the great lesson of this first reading. David the twerp becomes king. Second reading reminds us in this letter that we once walked in darkness, but God has given us a great light through that one up there, Jesus the Christ. And he showed us even in his dying what it means to be fully human and fully divine, that you can love those who hate you. You don't have to hate because they hate you. Like I always say, if you hate me, okay, it's your loss. You can't make me hate you back. That's my choice. And if I choose to hate you, I'm no better than you. But if you hate me and I love you and forgive you, oh, learn from it. That's the light that Jesus Christ gives to us. And now, the gospel. You heard the long story. I didn't see anyone fall asleep during it, so I, I know you heard it all. And it's a really simple and blunt story. Basically, this man who was born blind. Now, this is where it gets so juicy and good today because he wasn't born blind over here, Andrew. He went blind four years ago and ended up with 2% vision. 
Remy seven years ago. She saw perfectly fine before that, and then she went blind. And she's been walking in blindness, probably, again, about 95%, I don't know, blindness. And uh, in the sacristy, she says to me, because uh, we share the same birthday uh, last Sunday, and she, she, so I asked her how her birthday was, and, and she said, fine, well, my sisters were here, and I knew that because they came on Friday, Thursday or Friday, and I saw them. And they live in England and in Canada and somewhere else in the United States, I think, they came out. And she said when they got here, uh, they were all gathered together and they weren't talking. And uh, so she went up to feel their faces to figure out who was who. That's how she was seeing with her hands. That's what blind people do. They see with their hands and with their ears. And she's very good. You whisper something, she'll say, what did you say, Father Perry? She catches it all. So I keep my mouth shut when I'm around Remy. Okay, see with the hands and the ears. And uh, so she said to me, well, they weren't speaking, so I touched her face. She says, you know I can't see. And I said, ah, but you do see, Remy. You see with the eyes of your heart. You see very well. In fact, maybe better than when you had your eyesight. And that's what often happens. This is where the story's going. Well, they both would admit they once knew what seeing was like. But put yourself in these shoes for a moment. You were born genetically without eyeballs in your head, whatever, some freak of nature. Or you were born blind, you had your eyeballs, but uh, whatever, you couldn't see. You never, ever once have seen. How would we describe to you beauty? How would we describe to you ugly, tall, short, fat, skinny, nice, mean? How would we describe it? It would be very difficult. What words could you say to a blind person who never, ever, 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 ever had sight, never had it, how would you help them to see? And that's what we're talking about. This man in the gospel never, ever, ever had the ability to see. So Jesus spat on the ground, mixed it with the clay, made clay out of it, and put it on the man's eyes and said, go wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam, the pool that means scent. So he does, and he can see. So, wow, word goes out, and people say, wait a minute, aren't you the guy that was born blind? He said, I am. Well, how can you see? He said, this man did this. And so, um, now a big division arose, because some of the Pharisees uh, said, well, clearly he must be some kind of a man of God. The other one said, mm-mm, because he cured on the Sabbath. He broke the law. Now, this is, this is where these scriptures say, they often grab me here. What kind of a person would see a person who could never see, a man touches his eyes with clay, he washes his eyes and he can see, who wouldn't say, whoa, this man who touched his eyes must be from God. This is real blindness. This is blindness when you could witness that or hear the story of that and get proof from even the parents of that, but you still wouldn't believe. So there they are, these doubters. Call the parents in. They bring them in. Is this your kid, the one born blind? Is, is, is this truly him? That's him. We know it's our son. We know he was born blind. 
We know he can see now, but we don't know how he can or who did it to him. But yeah. So they questioned him further. And then they got afraid. Because they knew that these Pharisees were kicking people out of the temple, out of the synagogue. Put your shoes on like this. That uh, you tell me something, I say, don't ever repeat that again or you can't come to this church. And you do, and I say, get out. Go to another parish. You're not welcome here. I couldn't do that. Well, I shouldn't do that. But um, how would you feel? So the parents said, oh, oh no, we're not going to. So they threw their own kid under the bus. They said, we know. We don't know how it happened. Ask him. He's old enough. He can speak for himself. Beautiful parents. They threw their kid under the bus. So the Pharisee went back and asked him again. This story goes on and on. And now what begins to happen is because it is well established, this man Jesus made this man who was born blind to see. And clearly he did it on the Sabbath. So that's it. So as the Pharisees kept pushing this point because they wanted to prove and get to the fact that he did it on the Sabbath and therefore he uh, couldn't be from God, he must be uh, a creep because how could he break the Sabbath law? And the man who was born blind and could now see begins to defend Jesus. Well, I don't know. All I know is he did this, you know. Maybe, do you want to believe in him too? And then they start to get furious, okay? There's the great setup. Now we come to the climax of this story. They throw the guy out of the temple, out of the synagogue, by the way. When they, he questions the Pharisees, he says, get out. You know nothing. We know everything. Get out. So these people who were very capable of seeing with their eyes, but not very good with the eyes of the heart, now uh, Jesus uh, is able to do well, the real work of what he came for the deepest part. When the boy was, the young man was thrown out, Jesus went and looked for him, and Jesus found him. And when he found him, knowing the story of what had happened, he asked him a simple question. Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the young man said, who had been born blind but now could see with these eyes, said, I don't know who he is. How can I believe in him? And Jesus says, the one who is speaking to you is he. Or to put it simpler, it's me. Look. And the man says, my Lord, my God, I believe in you. You're the son of God. So this man had a double healing. Not only... Did he have eyes that never saw? He also had a heart who never saw who Jesus was. And with Jesus' healing touch, he regained sight that he never had before. Plus, he came to see with a vision of the heart that allowed him to believe that God had sent his own son, and this was the one who brought him healing and gave him life. And then Jesus sums it all up. Now, there's a, there's a saying. It's a famous saying that, that Jesus came to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. So that when we come to Jesus with discomfort and affliction in our hearts and souls, if we allow his love and his word and his teaching and his way and the power of his cross to speak to us, 
He can take the afflicted part of us and comfort us. But he also comes to afflict the comfortable, especially the self-righteous, the ones who think they're perfect because they do everything right and they know everything, the proud, the arrogant. He comes to afflict them. And it happened with those Pharisees today, the ones that were open to look at it and say, there must be something from God going on here. Look, who does this? Who has this power? They were seeing something, whether or not they believed it completely. The other ones were totally blind. He did it on the Sabbath. He's not from God. He's not from God. So we hear these scriptures today. The catechumens elect heard it. Why? Because the truth is, all of us are blind. I think this little girl over here, this little boy, probably not, because they're too little to, to get it. But anyone who's not a baby, we're all blind. All the time? I don't think so. I hope not. Sometimes, yeah, terribly. Other times, a little bit. And we also have wonderful sights. And I'm going to guess, putting a percentage on it, that it's probably at least 85% good sight. I am going to guess. Most people are pretty darn good. We have good values. We know how to treat each other. We know how to respect and speak to each other. We're not rude. We're not offensive. Sometimes we are. Sometimes we gossip. You know, sometimes we talk about it. It's a mix. But these scriptures today and this Sunday is asking us, would you be willing to scrutinize your life, my life, a little bit more and check out where we are blind? And what if we come to the Lord who was able to give sight to a man born blind who never, ever, ever, ever saw? What might he do with our blindness? Could he take it away? Could he give us vision and sight? Could we be led to a point where we would say, you truly are the Son of God? I mean, you're dying on the cross. They spit on you. They strip you. They beat you. They're killing you. And you say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Could that be the Christ? And we say, duh, I think so. So what if you and I, here on this middle Sunday of Lent, Laudate Sunday, rejoice, we're getting close. Pinky, pinky, we're getting close. And what if on this Sunday we said, I want more vision. I want to see even more clearly. I want to look at and listen to your words of love, Jesus the Christ, and say, Lord, couldn't you give me better insight so that I could do the same as you do? And if that is happening, this is a powerful Sunday, powerful Sunday. So we come here as we do every day of Lent on a beautiful day like this so that we might see, and maybe in some cases, really for the first time, but with that sight, we might really see with the eyes of our heart the Christ who has come to give us life.